Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We're continuing on with our uh, series, Love Like That. And tonight we're talking about being bold, having a bold love. And obviously we're uh, talking about uh, looking at Jesus and how he, what he did to do this. Amen. You know, um, sometimes in college lecture halls, and I haven't been around a college lecture hall for many, many moons, but, um, you know, there's times where, uh, you know, the professor could be just teaching over everybody's head and, you know, saying all this stuff and your eyes are glazed over or whatever. And then he uh, gets to a point and he says, does anybody have any questions? And no one raises their hand, uh, even though there, there might be a bunch of people that have questions. And for some reason, you know, they think, well, if no one else is raising their hand, they must be getting all this. But man, it was right over my head, but I'm not raising my hand because I don't want to act like I'm the only guy that's, you know, the odd man out or whatever. And they actually have a term for this, this, uh, uh, you know, syndrome or phenomenon. It's pluralistic ignorance. It's like, yeah, I guess we all get it and we all don't get it, but no one, no one cares or no one, uh, you know, everyone's kind of worried about everyone else. Um, and it occurs when a group of people go along with something because they incorrectly assume everyone else understands or accepts it. And, you know, because of this, even like corporations out there, they, they have failing business strategies because of this, or even, you know, uh, nations and governments that have policies, or, you know, foreign policies or whatever, and they, they keep doing things uh, because people they think that everyone's you know they understand it or whatever and and there's a lot of lot of things even even uh, you know good intentioned people in in the Lord sometimes can get caught up with this uh, type of thing um, and this syndrome will carry on until somebody is bold enough to speak out. Amen. Somebody's got to be bold enough to say you know what. I have no idea what you're saying, buddy, you know, and, uh, and I'm not too proud to say, you got you to gotta break it down for me, you know. Hans Christian Andersen had a fable, uh, The Emperor's New Clothes, and everybody pretty much knows that story. We learned it when we were kids, but all the adults, including the king, went along with these two conniving guys that were trying to make a buck uh, off the king. And, you know, uh, they, they falsely believed, even though their own eyes told them differently, and they just went along with it and said, well, yeah, everyone else sees clothes, so I guess I see clothes, and I'm not going to be the one to get the king mad or whatever, you know. And, you know, and even the emperor was all caught up with it. With it. And, uh, you know, everyone was thinking that, but it took the honesty and you know, just the unfiltered boldness of a little boy to say, hey, I don't see nothing. And then everybody kind of snapped out of it. Um, everybody was thinking it, but nobody was bold enough to say it. And that happens a lot of times. You know, sometimes we, 
we see injustices in this world. We see things, you know, being done to people or whatever. And sometimes, you know, like, I don't want to get involved. And I don't want to, you know, whatever. And, you know, and, you know, whatever. So I, I see it, but I'm not going to say anything. Instead of just saying, hey, you know, that's not right. You know, and just stepping out. Someone's got to, if, if everyone stayed silent, we're going to be in trouble. Especially in this day we're living in. So uh, these, these people in this fable were going along with this absurdity just because they didn't have the gumption to speak the truth to the king. Uh, one man once said, there's nothing more frightening than active ignorance. There's nothing more frightening than, you know, it's purposeful, um, you know, ignorance. It's like, yeah, I see it, but I, I don't see it. And I, I just I'm going to try to forget about it. Uh, but truth requires boldness. And Jesus was a truth teller. If anybody was, he was. He was bold. He would tell, tell it just like it was. He exemplified boldness. If, if we want to love like Jesus, we can't shy away uh, you know, from what is right and true, even if it means sometimes upsetting the apple cart or even being unpopular at times. Because you know, we, when you tell the truth... Some people don't want to hear it, you know. Oh, okay, here we go, the party poopers here, you know, or whatever. But we, 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 gotta, we have to tell the truth. Amen. And that's, you know, the Bible is, you know, thy word is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. And, you know, we have him in the church. We have him in our hearts. So we must be people of truth. And we're not talking about just the truth of of, you know, the, the, the truth of being born again or the truth of who Jesus is, but just truth in general, just being honest. Amen. We cannot remain silent and just go unnoticed. Martin Luther King Jr. said to ignore evil is to become an accomplice to it. And uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau said to see injustice and do nothing about it, that means to participate in it. So we, we, we need to speak up. Amen. And I think the people of God, if anybody, they, they are the, the, the last bastion of truth on the earth. And we've got to, you know, because sadly the school system, sadly the, the justice system, uh, and a lot of things are just getting real tainted and real, uh, you know, kind of uh, you know, gray area or just really, really off the reservation when it comes to the truth. But we've got to stand for the truth. Amen. So Jesus was a bold truth teller. He was authentic. He spoke his mind. He was definitely a straight shooter. You know, my wife reminds me of Jesus because she's a straight shooter. Amen. You don't, you know, you never, you know, the one thing about my wife is you never need to wonder where you stand with her because you'll always know. I wonder what she thinks about the situation. I wonder what she will, she will tell you, you know, and. You know, it's, and most generally, I would say overwhelmingly, it's a good thing. Sometimes it's so like, you know, you get your hackles up every once in a while or whatever. Uh, I'm talking about me because, you know, I'm the husband, you know. But that's what we need, you know. I think husbands do need someone to tell, tell us, you know, like it is. And there's nobody like a wife that can do that. <laughs> Amen. And so she's my best friend and she's my, my you know, Sometimes my harshest critic when I need it. And, you know, we need, we need someone to talk truth to us. You know, we're thinking, hey, everything's great. And they, just, they come in and just, you know, deflate the balloon. <laughs> what? I didn't even know, you know. And then you go, oh, okay, I guess so. 
Amen. But it's important. And Jesus was like that. He never allowed truth to take a back seat to politeness. And there's nothing wrong with, you can be truthful and polite at the same time, but he didn't, you know, he didn't sacrifice one for the other. You know, of all the religious leaders of his day, you know, we read about the Sadducees, we read about the scribes, we read uh, about the Herodians, we read about, uh, you know, the, the Pharisees. You know, uh, Jesus was probably, you know, we can't really compare him to anybody, but if you take any one of those religious groups, he was most closely matched up with the Pharisees as far as what they believed, because they believed in the Spirit, they believed in the resurrection, they believed in angels, and some of those other guys didn't believe in nothing. Um, but though he was the closest as far as that group, as far as what they believe, uh, he singled out the Pharisees more than any other group in his teachings because they needed some truth-telling. They kind of got high and mighty and thought they were all that, and he kind of brought them down uh, a couple of pegs and told them, you know, he, he reserved his, his strongest criticisms and confrontations to the Pharisees because before Jesus came along, Nobody dared challenge the Pharisees. Man, they were up there. You know, they were the doctors of the law. They were on the Sanhedrin. They were, they were these, you know, people close to God. And you didn't, you didn't say nothing. You didn't challenge him. You didn't do nothing. Jesus came along and, you know, I mean, he's like casting demons out. He's doing this. He's doing that. And, you know, he's talking to those Pharisees that are, you know, they, they weren't telling the truth. They were saying this and they were doing that. And they, they weren't doing right. So, we read that he called them hypocrites. I, I'm sure the crowd was just like with their mouths open and, oh, my goodness. And they were probably thinking, yeah, that's right. But we wouldn't say that because, you know, we have plural, you know, the pluralistic ignorance going on here. He called them vipers, a bunch of snakes. He even called them, you know, whitewashed tombs. You guys look great on the outside, all polished up and painted up, but full of dead men's bones. Boy, that was right under the fifth rib. They didn't like that at all. But that was the truth. Amen. And, that, and it, it, it requires boldness to speak the truth. You know, you can't be timid because truth a lot of times has a wallop that goes with it. Uh, let me give a few scriptures out. Uh, let's see. Chuck, could you get Matthew twenty three twenty four? Matthew twenty three twenty four. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be up there. Yep. Um, Anybody else, uh, Priscilla, would you like to read? Uh, Matthew 21, 13. And Arnold, would you like to read? Okay. Uh, this is Luke's. If you, you, this one you're going to have to read on the screen because it's Luke. Uh, it's, if it's from a special version of the Bible that I wanted to, to capture. It's Luke six twenty six. So if you don't mind reading it off, that, off the screen because it's going to be different than the typical. Uh, and then who else would like to read? Uh, Mario, Proverbs 27.6, and Arlene, Galatians 4.16, and Renee, Ephesians 4.15, and that's it. Okay. All right. So let's read Matthew 23.24. Yep. So he told the Pharisees, he said, you guys are blind guides. You strain out a gnat and gulp down a camel. In other words, they you filter out, they choke on a gnat. They get down to like, you know, where a gnat's not getting through, but then on something else, what was that? Oh, that was a camel. 
that was tasty. But they can't swallow this gnat because they were nitpicking every little thing. But then this big thing, that, that was no big deal to them. So he, he told them the truth. He condemned their legalism, which was their, was, was their focus on their, the externals and not the matters of the heart. Because the matters of the heart is the most important thing. Because they, they focused on the outside. He goes, you guys clean the outside of the cup and you make the outside look good and that's fine. But the inside has to be cleansed first. He goes, cleanse first the inside of the cup or, you know, the, the vessel and the outside will be clean also. Uh, he told them they, they should never do things just to be seen of men and to receive praise of men. Uh, because really the proof of spiritual maturity, and they should have been spiritually mature. I mean, these guys were, they, they knew the Bible backward and forward, the Old Testament anyway. They, they you know, had gone through all the whatever they had to do. But they, in many ways, weren't spiritually mature because spiritual maturity is not an outward thing. It's not for show. It's really your heart. Your heart's mature. It's a matter of your heart. It's between you and God. You know, that's why, like, when Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, you, you know, you do it in secret. You do it. It's between you and God. And your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. It's not an outward thing. But all of those things are part of spiritual growth and maturity when we we get a hold of those things now the bible records jesus only getting mad twice only losing his temper twice when you read the gospels now the gospels obviously different gospel writers repeat the same story but there's only two different stories that we find he's he got upset and the first time was when he read the riot act to the pharisees and we've already covered a couple of those things but the second time is when he uh, went into jerusalem and the outer court of the temple, before you actually get in the temple itself, uh, there was all these areas and alcoves and places to, uh, to, to gather and to, to, to stand and talk and sit or whatever. And here were all these money changers and the seller of sacrifices and all of this, you know, merchandising was going on on the property that was supposed to be holy ground. And he just couldn't believe it. He started looking around and see these money changers, uh, a lot of people, when, you, when I did a little research into this, I didn't really realize that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to another country and you change your, your dollars into whatever the currency is. Well, the, the, uh, the only money that was allowed to be given to the treasury of the temple had to be this Jewish currency. And so people were coming in from other countries and other whatever places that had different currency. They would have to go to the, uh, and get money to change out to only give the proper uh, type of money that was accepted at the temple and these money changers were in cahoots with a lot of these priests sadly to make a there was a big exchange rate like hey you know hey we we cash checks over here how much is your check a hundred dollars okay it's ninety dollars for the service fee and here's your ten bucks you know it's kind of like that it was like a real terrible thing. So they were taking advantage of a lot of people, especially even poor people that, you know, couldn't afford it because, hey, you know, hey, you know here, what's your money? Okay, well, here's the exchange rate, and now you got your Jewish currency. Well, yeah, but that, that's like 50%. What is this? Oh, sorry. And, you know, and everybody was making a buck on the side. So Jesus saw all that going on. They were selling sacrifices, you know, and, you know, animals, you know, to turtle doves and, and lambs and, and oxen and whatever, you know, and bags of grain, all the different Old Testament uh, sacrifices that we read about. And Jesus, he's just like, you could just see his head ready to blast off. 
because he couldn't believe it that they would turn the house of God into this merchandising thing. So it wasn't long before Jesus had seen and heard enough. He began to knock over the money changers' tables. Money went flying. It was just a big commotion. He, he caused a big scene in the name of decency and holy, holiness and what was right before God. And then he grabbed a whip. And then he started like whipping you know, things. He wasn't whipping people or anything, but he was like whipping stuff over. He was knocking cages open. Birds were flying out. Lambs were running around. Oxen were going crazy. It was a big commotion. And he, he, just, he just couldn't take what was happening to the, his father's house, so to speak. Read Matthew 21, 13. Amen. So, so he, he, uh, he was just fired up. You, you know, my house will be called a house of prayer. And you guys have changed it. And, and that's why, you know, we, we, we have to even be careful in, in this house of God that we don't just do anything. That's why, you know, we, you, know you won't just see anything like, hey, we're going to come up here and uh, you know, sell insurance or something behind the pulpit or something like, and do everything but the word of God. Oh no, not here. I'm not going to be, you know, messing around with that kind of stuff. This is like a sacred desk and this is for the word of God. And this is for the, the purpose of the, of the Bible and the church and the people of God. And you know, that's all there is to it. Amen. And so, uh, you know, and, and then when the, the apostles, the disciples saw that Jesus kind of like went crazy a little bit, and did all this stuff, they remembered a scripture from the Old Testament that said, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. They remembered that. That's in, that's in John chapter 2, I believe. But I'm sure there are plenty of people that when they saw Jesus doing that, some of the old line people, some of the, the dedicated, you know, the, the Jewish people that were, that were just really uh, sincere and, and really loved God, they, they probably were sick of it too, but they couldn't say anything. They'd get drummed out of there, and uh, they felt exactly the same way, but nobody was bold enough to act, but Jesus acted. Jesus corrected false teachings of these religious leaders. He put them in their place, and uh, with that same word of God that they thought they had a corner of the market on, an exclusive on, he used the same word of God against them and put them in their place. You know, one man said, Lord, you know, let me go home and and put things in order, and I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And Jesus didn't say, hey, well, that's fantastic. Why don't you come on? But see, he knew, Jesus knew these people's hearts, you know, not just what they said. People in the crowd probably said, wow, that guy's dedicated. He's going to go put his stuff in order and just follow him anywhere, just drop everything, drop his life and follow Jesus. But this guy really, you know, what Jesus perceived was he just wanted to, you know, please the crowd and, and make it look like he was whatever, and then Jesus just said, foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. You want to follow me? It's not going to be no, you know, we're not staying in embassy suites tonight, you know, and then we're going to go dine at, you know, wherever, Fish Company or Captain Jack's or, you know, some fancy steakhouse or something. We're, you know, we're, we're just going to go eat some fish by the fire that we're going to go catch, and we're sleeping on the, floor, on the, on the dirt over there. You still want to come with me? Yeah, we're going to go get ridiculed, and we're going to go get over there, and there's going to be some demons that come up in my face, and there's going to be some people accusing me of something or whatever. Still want to follow me? So he, so he, he just was bold. He, he, he would just, you know, call people, you know. 
You know, when, when, the, when the young man, the rich young ruler came and said, Lord, from my youth I've kept all the commandments. What still do I have to do? And, and he just knew, hey, this, this guy has a little problem with his riches because they got a hold of him. He said, well, you're, you're doing good. He said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He goes, okay, never mind. And he hit the road because he couldn't take the, the truth, and that was the truth. And maybe if he did all that, God would have gave it all back to him and said, I just wanted to see if you'd do it. Amen. Remember when Martha and Mary, uh, Jesus was over there, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, you know, they were all good buddies with Jesus. And Jesus was at the house one day, and, uh, you know, Mary's in there sitting at Jesus' feet, just soaking up every word. And Martha's in there doing the dishes all by herself going, what's going on here? And then she goes out there, dishpan, hands, going like this. Jesus, tell Martha to get up and get in here and do the dishes with me. This is ridiculous. And, so, and then, you know, and, and she thought, sure, Jesus is going to get on her side and all that stuff. said, Martha, you're, you're worried and troubled about many things. Mary has chosen the right thing, and she'll be blessed because of it. And then Martha kind of goes, like, goes back in the kitchen. Uh, I guess I should have just kept my mouth shut. Because, you know, Jesus just told it like it was. Amen. So he was the ultimate truth teller. The ultimate truth teller. You know, John F. Kennedy said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. In other words, you know, a peaceful revolution is, you know, doing, doing things boldly and with truth so that, you know, people just can't run over us at some point. What he's meaning was, if we don't say anything, and we aren't bold, and we aren't truthful, and we just let, you know, whatever, you know, society go the way it's going to go, and this go the way it's going to go, we don't say something about government doing this or that or whatever, then there's going to be a, a day of reckoning down the road if we, don't, if we don't say something. Amen. So, very powerful. So, you know, to be bold, the definition is, you know, to be truthful, to be genuine, to be authentic and real and sincere, worthy of trust, solid and reliable and strong. That's what being bold is. You know, because, you know, if you just think of the word, well, it, bold is not just being up in people's face and, uh, you know, being bold to uh, be rude. or That's not what bold is. When bold, when we're talking about how Jesus was bold, it's all about truth and being real and being consistent with yourself. Amen. So what keeps us from being bold truth tellers? Does anybody have a just a one word guess? Like what what keeps us from being bold truth tellers? Fear. Ding ding ding, that's the answer and not that we don't want to hear from anybody else, but that's the answer. <laughs> that's exactly right. Fear. Studies show that people generally will be completely honest and forthcoming to a total stranger or a a licensed therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist before they will even think about doing that with a family or close friends. Why? Because they're afraid. They're exposing themselves and open themselves up to hurt or misunderstanding. It's all fear. And what's the biggest fear of? Rejection. That's the biggest fear. Well, I'm not going to be bold. I'm not going to tell you the truth because you might not like it and you might not be nice to me anymore. You know, but people like 
somebody that's going to just be honest with them. Amen. So sometimes we're afraid of losing approval and acceptance. And what's the result of this? We wear masks. Amen. That we hide behind. We pretend to be fine when we're not fine. Sometimes. We act indifferently when something is truly bothering us. This causes us to be silent. And when we really should be saying something. And this kind of, kind of deflates our boldness and our truth-telling ability. Deep down, we want to reveal our true feelings, but we also struggle with the strong desire to protect ourselves. And that's, but that's where God's supernatural power comes in to help us. Amen. You remember Jesus saying one time, you know, he was telling the disciples, and he, he said, you know, when you're brought before the magistrates or when you're called on the carpet or when something happens to you, whatever, and you're just trying to find words to come up with, words to, to challenge, words to answer this situation. He said, the Lord will give you what to say in that hour. And that's where we, that's where we have a prayer life and we walk with God, that God will give us words to say to help us be bold and help us tell the truth. Amen. So, so, so it's a kind of a, a dilemma. We long to both at the same time be known, but to remain hidden. But if we wear our mask long enough, you know, we won't be rejected because nobody really knows who we are or what we are, but we won't, we won't have the truth of the situation either. We'll, we'll never be honest, we'll never be bold, and that means we'll never love like Jesus if we have to wear a mask and we're worried about all this stuff. Sometimes we just got to, you know, just let the truth fly and let the chips fall where they may, as they say. All right, let's read uh, Luke 6.26. In this, this is the message uh, version. It's a, it's a totally a different version, but it's really kind of uh, applies to what we're talking about tonight. Amen. Thank you. So he, he says your task is to be true, not popular. Because sometimes when you're tr- the truth isn't popular, you know, um, the truth hurts. Uh, the truth, you know, shuts down the party a little bit. Oh, here we go. Truth tellers here. But, that, but we need truth in our life. We just want to live in a false reality here. Why don't you just go along with the charade? Here's your mask. Come on in. It's a masquerade party. But there's so much fake and phony in this world these days. You know, you don't know what's real, what's not. I mean, everything can be Photoshopped now. Everything, you know, you don't even know if a photo is really a photo. Is that really a human being right there? You know, you don't know what's going on, you know. And, uh, you know, it's refreshing to see and hear something real, something full of truth, something bold. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, everybody was like, whoa, this guy speaks with authority. Not like the scribes, not like the Pharisees. You know, we were falling asleep in the synagogue, you know, on them, because it was just the same old, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. But man, Jesus speaks and then devils are cast out, and people are healed in the synagogue, and miracles take place. You know, he backs it up with power and boldness and truth. Amen. So what Jesus taught us about boldly speaking the truth is really, is really uh, awesome. You know, back in 2008, there was a hidden camera TV program called What Would You Do? And there would be actors who would act out troubling scenes 
with, with, between each other in front of just, you know, innocent bystanders that weren't in on the deal. And, uh, you know, the people that were, uh, the innocent people were, you know, everybody was watching to see how they would react. Would they, would they get involved? Would they tell the truth? Would they, you know, be bold to, you know, whatever the, all these scenarios were? Um, and uh, each episode concluded with the host asking the viewers, what would you do? What would you do, you know, if you were this person, you know? And then, of course, afterward, everybody said, oh, it was all just a, a show or whatever. But the show revealed how many people uh, want to act, how many people want to speak out, you know, how much people want to right the wrongs that they see. But, but because of fear and because they don't want to get involved, for whatever reason, too many remain silent. And this show bared that out, bore that out. You know, we know the studies already bore it out, but this show kind of visually uh, bore it out too. So it's really interesting. Human nature is human nature, uh, you know, generally speaking. But too many times we want to take the easy way out, the path of least resistance. We avoid confrontation. So we don't say anything. But Jesus taught that if a fellow believer hurts you, he said, go to that person and tell them what happened. And... Tell them the truth and try to work it out between each other. And if you do, then you've won your brother back. You've won your sister back. You know, that's the way, that way you do it. Instead of just people just standing far off and, and letting things fester or, or ignoring things and just not, I'm not just going to talk to that person ever again or whatever. But no, like, let's confront it. Let's try to work it out. That's what Jesus said. He, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. That's, that's important. If somebody, if, if, if you have something against somebody or a grudge or unforgiveness, harboring anything in your heart, we got to go to that person and try to work it out. I know that's not easy, but that's the bold, the bold way to do it. Amen. We can't just ignore the issue and sweep it under the rug and try to go about our merry way and live for God in spite of it. Because you know what's going to happen? It's going to negatively affect our walk with God. And it's going, to, it's going to mess us up more than that other person. You know, if we have something against them or we have a grudge or we can't forgive them or whatever, and they might not even realize it. They might, they might be sleeping like a baby and then oh, I'm up all night. You know, this person. And that person doesn't even know that you're going, this person, in, you know, in your bed or whatever. So it's important. Communication really opens things up. And that's what being bold is. It's communication instead of being silent. It's truth-telling. Amen. we got to be truthful with our brother and sister. Be bold and do your best to make it right. Read Proverbs 27, verse 6. Amen. So these wounds of a friend, they're not bad wounds. They're good wounds. You know, your friend says, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And then the friend, you know, knowing is saying, no, that's a bad idea. That person's no good for you. You, you need to stay away from that person. What? You're wounding me, but I'm helping you. You know, you know how love is blind? People don't see it. And then everyone's on the side going, no, no, don't do it. Red flags everywhere. No, this is perfect. The will of God for sure, you know. But we have to understand that true friends will be bold. And true friends should be able to speak, you know. I was, I was talking to you about my true friend over there earlier, and she's bold. But she's not mean. She's bold. Amen. Honest and truthful. 
Adrian Rogers said, it's better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. Sometimes truth divides, uh, but that's the way it goes. Read Galatians 4.16. That's what Paul said, hey, hey, I'm telling you the truth. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You want me to tell you that you can do anything you want and go to heaven? You want me to be that kind of preacher? No. That's the one that Paul warned against the end times, that they'll gather to themselves teachers having itching ears, not wanting to hear the truth, but turning to fables. A fable is not going to get us to heaven, but the truth will. The truth will set us free. Amen. Of course, there's a way to present the truth. You don't have to be crass. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be offensive. You can serve the truth on a platter of love, and it'll work just nice. Amen. Just like the gospel. You don't have to be mean and rude about it. You don't have to tell someone... Because they don't believe this, the way the Bible says that they're going to split hell wide open. That's, that's being bold, but that's the wrong kind of boldness. Amen. God desires truth to live inside of us and be the driving force of our lives. Martin Luther said, peace if possible, truth at all costs. Sure, we want peace if possible, but truth at all costs. Amen. How to be a better and bolder truth teller? Boldness played a big part in the success of the early church. Their boldness was always tied to proclaiming the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There were so many obstacles they faced, and they boldly proclaimed the truth of his word when all was said and done, and it was indisputable because you can't dispute the truth. They even prayed for boldness one time in the book of Acts. And when, one time when, when uh, the, the religious leaders saw Jesus, uh, John and, and, uh, and Peter preaching in the name of Jesus. They called him on the carpet, and then the Bible said that they, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and, and uh, took notice that they were, they were ignorant, unlearned men, they, they realized that they had been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, you can be bold. Amen. And so through prayer and the word of the Lord and rubbing shoulders with God, amen, you can, you can be bold. And people will see, hey, they're with Jesus. Amen. Hey, these are ignorant and unlearned men. How do they know all this? How, how can they eloquently talk about God and his name and all that stuff? Because they were with Jesus. Amen. We are, more, we are most real when we are most known and loved. The more we, real we become, the more love we experience and vice versa. Authent, authenticity is the only way to be truly loved. Because, see, we fear that being known will lead to rejection. And yet it's only by being known that our hearts are truly loved. If we, if we clam up, put a wall around us, and we don't let anybody in, then, you know, love can't get in. But, you know, when you have your heart open, yeah, it can get hurt. But that's where love can go, too, back and forth. we got to be authentic. When you're truth and bold, you're, you're transparent. You're real. Amen. Because to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything at all, and at some point your heart can be bruised and possibly broken when you start loving something, because then it's going to come back. You know, if you want your heart to be intact and you don't ever want it to be broken and nothing hurt, you, you can't give your love to no one. Now, don't even give it to an animal, because, because animals will break your heart, you know? I mean, my wife, I mean, she was never an animal lover, I'm sad to say, but she's the biggest animal lover in the world now and she's you know and uh 
that little guy's broken her heart, and you know, not in a bad way, but just through, you know, you know how just you love something, and you love people, and things happen, and whatever, and, you know, our heartstrings get pulled, and we have to be open. We're, we're known. We're, we're out there, and that's what being bold is also about. We've got to be real, transparent, genuine. People appreciate that in a person. Amen. We can't pass the urge or the opportunity to be a truth teller, even if it means telling the truth on ourselves. We gotta, we gotta be honest with ourselves. Amen. We can't. Uh, there, there's the old proverbial phrase: we can't have the disease to please. We gotta say it like it is. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus not only risked his reputation, but his very life for the truth. He told the truth no matter what. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He he went all the way for the truth. And Mahatma Gandhi said it this way, a no uttered from deepest conviction is better and greater than a yes merely uttered to please or what is worse, to avoid trouble. And the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Edmund Burke said that. The only thing for, tri- for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing and say nothing. Let's be bold. Let's be truthful. And let it all be from love, of course, and from the Lord. Let's please God above all. Let's, let's be bold for the Lord in these last days. Let's be truth tellers. Amen. Would you stand with me? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.